0: Hey, deserving listeners, I thought I would answer patron emails. Let's get to some emails here. This first email is from Anonymous Patron. She writes, about a a year ago, I found the Raised by Borderlines subreddit. So just chiming in here. If you don't know what Reddit is, it's a website with various different things on it. And people can post things and comment and it's all that kind of stuff. And there are different subreddits. There are different pages, if you will that are moderated by people. And one of them apparently is called Raised by Borderlines. Think of it kind of like a hashtag or something. And usually these subreddits will have very consistent communities where people on there know each other well or know the format of the subreddit really well. So it can be kind of like a, a very, very niche microculture. So she writes, about a year ago, I found the Raised by Borderlines subreddit. So again, chiming in, it would be people who – or children of people suffering from borderline personality disorder. It initially seemed like a very helpful community to me. However, over time, there are some aspects of the community that concern me. For example, they draw a hard line that anybody who has borderline personality disorder will always be abusive. Posts or comments empathizing in any way with borderline parents get you banned from the subreddit. People with borderline are banned from the subreddit. Even expressing concerns over your own inherited traumas like borderline-like behavior fleas are banned. I'm not even sure what that one means. Um, I understand creating a safe space for people to to talk about things, but isn't it – isn't this just black and white thinking, similar to people with borderline? And people seem to take any abusive behavior as evidence of borderline. What are your thoughts? End of email. Yeah, so I'll get into the subreddit in a in a second because uh, I actually did look into it. But the I've seen this sort of thing before, where a subreddit, so, you know, these subreddits are. It's not so. So the subreddit is called Raised by Borderlines. And it makes sense that it would be this place, as you say, anonymous patron, where it's a safe place for children of people who are raised by people suffering from borderline, for them to get support, talk about things, share resources, uh, share stories, this kind of thing. And that seems like it would be a good thing, right? But as with everything on the internet, it really just depends on the culture that is created in these places. So, for example, when it first started out, it could have been very positive. It could have been very supportive. But over time, it could have attracted a certain sort of person who frequently posts things and frequently comments on things. As a Reddit user myself, I have found that it's kind of scary to post things or to... um, to comment on things because you just don't really know it's you know it's the internet and you just don't really know what microculture you are getting into. For example, in a very uh, mild uh, situation, I made a list uh, of every single Beatles song and ranked them by order. And it's I don't know how many Beatles songs there are. There's hundreds, I think, but I, I ranked all the Beatles songs, and it took me a long time. And I was like, well where are my other Beatles nerds in the world? Well, they're on Reddit, on the Beatles subreddit. So I went to the subreddit, r Beatles and posted my list, thinking that people would go like, whoa, interesting list. It was a, just a screed of negativity against me because I didn't rank certain songs higher, and I wasn't a real Beatles fan because – I didn't rank this song very high and all this kind of thing, and I was just like, what in the world? I mean, I I just have an opinion about – and I'm a super Beatles fan, you know what I mean? I'm not some poser just saying, I like Yellow Submarine and every other song sucks. I mean, I'm a dedicated Beatles fan, and uh, I felt like I was being treated like I was some kind of scumbag because I had an opinion. And so – the th- realization that I had was that if I just showed my list to Beatles fans that I knew, like Umberto, they'd be like, huh, interesting. And, and we would have a back and forth and, and it, maybe Berto would be upset about one or two things. But but he wouldn't yell at me and he wouldn't try to make me feel bad about myself. He wouldn't essentially bully me online. That's, I don't know if it was bullying, but it, it just kind of felt that way to me and that would be that. But in these subreddits, you just don't really know the sort of people who tend to comment. As another example, I have learned on Reddit that I just don't care to comment on things. And so I, I'm a what they call a lurker in that I, I look at Reddit all the time, all day long, but I just don't comment anymore. And I don't post anything anymore because I just don't feel like getting into it with people. And so, uh, so there's a Maybe a silent majority of people on Reddit, maybe even people looking at the Raised by Borderlines subreddit who just aren't really participating. So so there's a lot of these interesting little pockets. So the Raised by Borderlines subreddit could have started with uh, good intentions and it could have meant uh, some – when we looked at it at first, it could have been what we would say to be positive. But over time, it, it – it can drift, depending. You know, like say, some people went to raise by borderlines with good intentions, and some people went to raise by borderlines with, like, shall we say, dubious intentions—not trolling intentions, but let's just say that they're they're very negative about people with borderline personality disorder. And let's just say that over time, the people with good intentions just are turned off by the subreddit, and they just stop going there. They they unsubscribe to that subreddit. And over time, it just becomes a very negative place. That happens in subreddits all the time. So, so maybe that's what happened here. I don't know. But the other thing here in terms of some of the rules that you – and I actually looked up on the rules for, for this, this subreddit. It says that people with borderline personality disorder are forbidden from participating in the subreddit. So why would that be? Why would people with borderline personality disorder be forbidden from participating, And of course, there's no way to know, but if someone t- t- chimed in and say, hey, I have borderline and I don't agree with this. The reason is, is because this subreddit is supposed to be a safe space for people who are raised by people with borderline to get support and feel safe from, uh, you know, being argued with or something. Now, this is kind of an interesting uh, distinction, right? Because it basically – assumes that most, if not all, people with borderline personality disorder are unsafe, which is not true, right? You could you can have someone with borderline who is a very safe person and, and who would empathize very much with you. Um, the other thing is, is a, another rule here, is that people with other personality disorders are forbidden from participation as well. So if you have any personality disorder, you're forbidden from participating which is which is interesting and it's it seems to be drawing a distinction that if you have a personality disorder in all likelihood you are an unsafe person now i don't know i i don't know what the moderators are thinking maybe the moderators are thinking look we we don't want to get into a debate about personality disorders on this you know subreddit what we want is just people to be able to vent and feel free to do that. We don't want to get into arguments. And actually, the moderators provide all these other subreddits where you can actually get into those conversations where people with borderline and other personality disorders are not banned. And, and if you have borderline and you're, you're looking for a, a um, you know, supportive place, there are many other subreddits you can go to. And that's what the moderators are saying. Another rule is that experts are forbidden from the subreddit, meaning people like me. So I can't participate. I can't even comment. I can't chime in and say, well, actually, <laughs> which I guess makes some sense if experts are chiming in saying that. But at the same time, that could lead to a cultural drift away from reality, meaning that and, – and this anonymous patron is kind of observing this – that – that that people who empathize so so they're observing that poster comments empathizing in any way with people with borderline will get you banned from the subreddit so even if you say anything like well i don't know my mom she had borderline and she had her good moments she had her bad moments so i don't know if she wasn't all bad according to the anonymous page and that that'll get you banned from the channel Well, I I actually looked at a number of the posts, and in contrast to that observation from an honest patron, I found this one post that was not banned, and there was a lot of upvotes. So I'm just going to read it. Feeling genuinely sorry for my UBPD mother. So they have all these, um, chiming in here, they have all these abbreviations, and I am 95% sure that UBPD stands for undiagnosed. Uh, by undi- undiagnosed borderline personality disorder, meaning that this child has diagnosed their mother with borderline. Going on here, feeling genuinely sorry sorry for my U B P D mother. There are times wherein I just look at her while she's doing something like washing the dishes or cooking lunch, or even while she's writing her love her writing on her beloved journals. That I just feel so sorry for her. This isn't laced with malice or sarcasm. I truly feel genuinely sorry for her BPD predicament because I'm sure nobody wants to live with this, wherein she can't hold down a job, she's stuck in the house. She is so alone right now, and I feel genuinely sorry for her and her mental disorder. I am in no way or shape condoning her bad deeds toward me and my sister. I am also not a borderline sympathizer. But in moments of tiny peace like these, I just wish she doesn't have this condition, that she can be as normal as possible, healthy being active and working, and not having to constantly have emotional ups and downs. It must be truly be so saddening to be a mother whose daughters hate her so much. I got a lump in my throat just typing all of this. End of post. And then after that, there's a lot of support. So so this a lot of people actually resonating with this and 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 saying they feel the same way about their parents with borderline. So there are some people who have some some sympathy but but in this so there's a, there's a few things that I would say if someone told me this. I'd say well one how do you know that your mother has borderline um, because borderline is actually pretty complicated. I'm not going to discount a, you know someone who experienced their Mother in a very intimate way. I'm not going to discount their experience, but uh, but on the internet and on this subreddit, as this anonymous patron is pointing out, they seem to be equating abuse with borderline or narcissism. They will say, you know, well, my mother was very abusive to me emotionally, and therefore she has borderline that kind of thing. So you know, who that would be one question I would have. the other thing here that you will, you'll see in this in this post is the person's writing, "I'm not a borderline sympathizer," so they feel like they have to say that in order to be accepted by the subreddit, right? For this poster to, you know, this this person posting, for them to have uh, feelings of sympathy and pity for their quote unquote undiagnosed borderline mother. They know that this is potential for them to get downvoted or even banned from this channel. So they're saying, I am in no way or shape condoning her bad deeds toward me and my sister. So this is a comment to the culture of this subreddit that um, if you're going to say something even remote – you're going to say something remotely nuanced, you have to come out strong and say, by the way – uh, I don't sympathize with people with borderline. I'm not apologizing for you know. I just wish that she didn't have this condition and she treat. And I just want everyone to know that she treated me terribly and I and abused me and my sister, which is just you know we're, we all agree that we were abused by our borderline parents. So they're just kind of comments to the to the culture. I, I I don't know if if that's a good or bad thing, but um, just reading some other more typical posts here. So here's someone that is just the more typical. They write, "I don't believe borderline personality disorders are unable to control their emotions." So, that the I don't know exactly what this person was saying, but it was sort of rambling. But they just started off by saying, "You know, I don't believe people with borderline are unable to control their emotions." Meaning that they have a parent that they have designated that has borderline or has been diagnosed. It's, it's unclear that has very volatile emotions that negatively affects them, right? And some people will say, well, people with borderline they can't tr- they can't control it. They can't control their emotions, so you can't really blame them. And so th- uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of nuance there. So uh, of course, people are responsible for their behavior, but also of course when you go through traumas that affect your perceptions of things, then that's also going to Affect the way you feel, which is going to affect the way that you treat other people. So, is it is it the person you know? Now, the other thing I'll say here is that many of you out there actually self-diagnosed or have been diagnosed with borderline, and so it's important that we recognize that borderline is a very uh, varied condition, uh, meaning that a lot of people will qualify for the designation, the label, or uh, you know they will be on the spectrum. And there are people who qualify for the label who are abusive, absolutely. There are people who uh, are abusive, who don't qualify for the label. There are people who qualify for the label who are not abusive. So you know, just saying someone is borderline doesn't really tell you much about someone's behavior, honestly. so i I just want to be clear about that that the subreddit seems to assume. That if someone is borderline, then they're automatically abusive, which just isn't true. I I've treated people with borderline who had the full blown disorder, who were not abusive to their kids at all. Um, I one of the very first people I ever worked with who suffer from borderline. I actually was treating the family at first, and um, you know knew the family pretty well and knew the kids pretty well, and. From my estimation, the kids were doing pretty well. Now, could I have been, you know, could could the abusive behavior been hidden from me? Yeah, maybe, but it it didn't seem. I'm pretty good at sussing that out, and um, I had enough contact with the kids that I feel like I would have picked up on that. So, having borderline doesn't mean you're abusive. So, I just want that to be clear. Um, but uh, so anyway, someone replied to this. Uh, post, you know, some the first person was saying, "I don't believe people with borderline are unable to control their emotions," and just kind of ranting about that. Someone replied and said, "People with BPD can control their emotions in the following situations: structured environments where the rewards and punishments are clear, for example, school and work, and situations where their public image is at stake, for example, friends and online." However, since it is a big effort for them, they eventually have to show their true colors after an entire day of doing this. Normally, they can push boundaries at home where the people around them tolerate, allow, or even enable their toxic behavior. End of post. So this is kind of an interesting post, and it's not really clinically sound, uh, but it can be true. But it's not true – and this subreddit, they just seem to blanketly say everyone with borderline is this. Everyone with borderline does this. And I, I just wish that this subreddit was just labeled parents who emotionally abused me, you know, uh, because at least then it would be more clinically accurate. <laughs> to, I, I feel like people will just when they have bad things happen to them and when they experience people that are hurtful to them and scary to them. There's this compulsion to label them with something there must be they must have a mental illness, Uh, a politician that bothers you that that person must have a personality disorder. Instead of just sticking with what you know, to be very true, which is I don't like the way that they treat me. I don't like the way this politician votes or acts. I I just, I just don't like that. You You can say that you don't have to Pathologize them with something in the DSM to justify your feelings about that. If your parent treated you horribly, you're entitled to that. And whether or not that came from a label in the DSM, because here's the thing, a parent can be abusive and not suffer from anything in the DSM. Um, and a parent could suffer from 12 things in the DSM and not abuse you at all. So th- there's we have this this heuristic in our society that it's like if, if there's something abnormal about you or if there's something wrong with you, then you must qualify for a label in the DSM. If, if someone goes on a shooting spree, there's, there's this compulsion by society that, well, they must have been a psychopath, right? Not necessarily. So, uh, in fact, most people, if I remember right, or at least a good percentage of mass shooters, don't suffer seemingly from anything in the DSM. So separate your mind from labeling people with a mental illness and people who do bad things because the the various different labels in the DSM – I won't go on to all the details, but generally speaking, if you suffer from a mental illness or not, does not make you any more likely to commit a crime or to be abusive to your kids. Now, it's nuanced and there's a lot of details there, but um, but this subreddit seems to equate Borderline with abuse and that's right. But this other per, this person also says that uh, you know people with borderline can control their emotions, but only in situations where their public image is at stake. That sounds more like narcissism to me, honestly. Uh, so I, I feel like there's a lot of confusion between those two things um, from people on the internet. The thing is, is that whenever anyone on the internet is talking about any personality disorder, I I don't take any of it seriously. Because most of the clinicians that I work with, and research shows this, do not understand personality disorders well enough to diagnose them. So I just want to get that clear to people. (laughs) Among mental health clinicians who are trained to diagnose people, most of them, as demonstrated by research, half to more than half, are not very good. In fact, I I can't remember the exact study that is in my head, but I think that they're no better than lay people, I think was the comparison, at diagnosing people with personality disorders. Personality disorders are extremely complicated and require a lot of experience. And unless you've really had a lot of experience and had really excellent supervision and training that lasts for years – in personality disorders, or it, even if even if you understand one personality disorder, you don't necessarily understand other personality disorders. So you could understand borderline, but not understand avoidant personality disorder. So each personality disorder requires its own education, and uh, so the fact that most clinicians who are trained, uh, or at least half, are pretty bad at it, uh, means that lay people would be terrible at it, and they are. So I wish that they would just stay away from it because it it really I think it distracts people from the reality which is one that they were abused and that they can just say that. It also stigmatizes the heck out of these these conditions, you know, for people with borderline to I mean I mean, you ask anyone with borderline and they will say, "Yeah, there's a there's a ton of stigma. There's so much stigma." That people who work in mental health won't even treat people with borderline because they've absorbed a lot of the stigma. I, as a specialist in personality disorders, have treated people with borderline. And I'm here to tell you that it's fine. (laughs) And it works. Therapy works. And there's evidence that interpersonal therapy and DBT and psychodynamic therapy and attachment-based therapies actually do reduce symptoms often to the point of not qualifying for the label anymore. But you have many mental health people out there uh, with these ideas that you can't help people with, with borderline and narcissism and, and psychopathy. You can't, you can't help them. There's, there's nothing you could do. And or uh, they will say, I don't want to treat people like that because they always sue their therapists. You know, these just, just really uh, st- bigoted uh, things. And when we have lay people participating in that in a subreddit, and experts are forbidden from checking in. I, I just wonder about the stigma of borderline and the stigma of of mental illness in general. And I even hesitate to call it a mental illness because uh, personality disorders. I mean, you could call uh, schizotypal a mental illness because it, it it is similar to schizophrenia in some ways. But you know, I'm going to do a whole deep deep dive on that. But for borderline. We're all a little bit borderline. We're all a little bit narcissistic personality. We're all a little bit, you know, psychopathic. So it's just that people with borderline are a lot that way. And uh, it, to me, it's more of a personality condition than a disorder, if that makes any sense. But that's just that's just my opinion. Um, another post on this uh, subreddit says, "Oh, because your childhood was so bad." Um so I don't want to read this whole thing. But essentially, the post is saying that uh, their mother was acting like – well, I'll just read the whole thing. My undiagnosed borderline mom denies anything is wrong with her and her relationships with her children. She is in further denial about how much her behavior and poor life choices have affected me. I have social anxiety around family and OCD. This past year, I've been in therapy, learning about myself, setting boundaries with people, and trying to move forward with my life. My mom, obviously frustrated that I've become distant, lashed out at me instead of trying to understand. I explained about borderline personality disorder, the emotional abuse, my social anxiety, and social and family situations because of my upbringing, the lack of effort from her, etc. And she says, you always bring this up, maybe because it's actually a real problem. Anyway, so – it sounds like this person has been raised by a difficult mother and is going to therapy and is drawing boundaries with their mother. And in the process of doing that, there was a conversation where, the, where this adult child was telling the mother, look, the reason why I'm drawing boundaries is because you emotionally abused me and you raised me badly and you didn't put an effort and you have borderline And then, lo and behold, the mother got defensive about that. (laughs) Um, So now, uh, the other side to this that I'll say is that can someone with borderline or any personality disorder, can that condition, that personality type, result in behavior that can be abusive to children? Absolutely. There are many situations where that's true. In fact, many of you listening might be like, well, my mother or my father was diagnosed with borderline, and was very abusive. Given the, the way that they saw things, and and so on. So you know, why would that be? Now again, it's not all people with borderline, but why would that be? Well, what ends up happening, and this is similar for borderline and narcissism. So I'll kind of I'll kind of lump these in together. When you when you go through relational traumas growing up, and you are abandoned, abused, uh, mistreated. You develop a personality type. Um, you, can, you're, you're, you can develop a personality type called borderline or – maybe I'll just stick to borderline because it will make it easier. So one of the personalities that will develop out of mistreatment is what we call borderline personality disorder. And this disorder is such that uh, early in life, we're talking two, three years old, you decide that you are worthless, that other people are just going to leave you um, at the drop of a hat that other people can't be trusted. But you also learn that you can't really turn to yourself, that you are not a good uh, secure base to depend on when you are sad or lonely. And you need other people to regulate you. So it's this push-pull situation where on one hand, other people are terrible, and you can't trust them, and they're always going to leave you. And they're always thinking about leaving you, and they're always thinking about hurting you and rejecting you. So on one hand, you have that schema, which is based on the way you've been treated early childhood. But on the other hand, you have this, also, this equally strong force inside of you that is saying the only way you can regulate your emotions, the only way you can feel any good is if other people love you. So at the age of two, three years old, you develop neurologically, developmentally. In a way, very much oriented towards other people where you are desperate for love and security from others. But at the same time, you're positive that other people are going to hurt you. And so uh, what will happen is people will vacillate between two different states. They will vacillate between chasing people and being very much attracted to people, very much in love or very much infatuated, even if it's just like a friend or something. Uh, so they they will just be like, oh, my God, you're the best friend, and oh, my God, you, no one understands me the way you understand me because, like I said, age two, three, or four, they realize they can't turn to themselves. And by the time you're an adult, because of your issues and because of the mistreatment you've been through, you've been through so many bad relationships in your mind that any good relationship that comes your way feels like – Oh, my God, I finally have arrived. But it's a fantasy in the person's mind because they need it to be perfect in order for them to feel safe. They're just like – I just need the, – the analogy that I will give is that imagine you're thirsty and you're in the desert and you're you're just traveling and your your mouth is parched and your lips are dry and you haven't drank any water in as long as you can remember – and all of a sudden you see an oasis in the distance and you and you know it looks like there's there's palm trees and there's grass and there's bushes and there's a river and there's a little lake and and you see it and you're just like oh my god yes and you would just be you would just be elated right you'd just be celebrating i finally arrived i'll just i'm going to go there to that oasis and i'm never going to leave that oasis is Oh, my God, I'm saved. Finally, I can drink water whenever I want to. And you start running to the oasis. And then just before you get there, it, you realize, nope, it's a mirage. It's not only not an oasis, but it's, a, a you know, some kind of death trap. <laughs> you know, it's on fire or it's the anti-water is. So – That's what it feels like to be someone with borderline. Now, the solution is for people with borderline to be able to uh, rely on themselves. And the only way they can rely on themselves is if they're given a secure relationship. And that's where interpersonal psychodynamic therapy comes in, is that – and this is my approach with people with borderline – is that uh, I provide a secure base for them. So it's – as a therapist – and so when they come to me and they talk with me an hour a week they learn through experience not just by me telling them but we're talking you know years of therapy they learn over time that they that i can be trusted so i become that oasis and when they come to me they at first are like oh my god you know you're the best you know everything and you're and so it'll they very often will very be very thankful and be very appreciative and will see me as something that is all good. But then eventually, you know, my regular humanness will come through and, and I'll make a mistake. I'll say something wrong. I'll, you know, I'll be a little distant one session or um, something will happen and it will hurt the client and this will be like, oh, my God, to the client. It's like, oh, my God, the Oasis isn't really there. It's just a mirage. And then they get real upset and they get real angry at me. Well, because I'm a therapist and I specialize in borderline, I immediately recognize that because it, it it's like clockwork. It always happens. With, with When you treat people with borderline, it's a constant state of rupture repair where I, I either do something unknowingly or it's misinterpreted by the client and it's a massive rupture, the client will hate me, will be hurt by me, will will accuse me of things, might even threaten to sue me, might try to terminate. But I remain steadfast, and I know what's coming. And I say, I'm sorry that I did that. And uh, I'm still here to listen. And, and I, I can't be just clinical about it. I have to be really, I have to be a real human being. And I have to be actually there in the room with them which means that I have to I have to have a lot of support for myself and I have to have very good conceptualization of what's happening and I have to be very experienced with people with borderline which I am trial by fire honestly one one of my very first long-term clients early in my career I was I don't know 27 years old and was someone who had borderline and, and through that experience I, it gave me the sort of the foundation that relationship was so professionally satisfying to me because I worked with her for years and she did become subclinical borderline. She wrote me several letters and and but one of the letters she wrote me actually framed and put on my wall. Uh, I worked very hard in that relationship. Working with people with, with borderline is is can be very difficult but very rewarding. Anyway. So so that that's, you know, that's how so through that security which often can be only done in therapy because if you're in a regular relationship with someone like this, it can be hard to uh, it can be hard to manage uh, because uh, anyway. So the point is is that through that security, the the client learns. Oh, wait, I am lovable, and this other person can be trusted. And when there is a rupture, when there is an indication of abandonment, we can talk about it. And things will be okay. And I, as a client, am worth that effort. And you can only neurologically change your brain by experiencing this. You can't just talk to someone with borderline and say, "Hey, you're worth it." You know, "Hey, you know, I know you have low self-esteem, and I know you've been abandoned your whole life, but you're a good person." You, you can't do that. That's that that barely works, uh, or has barely any effect. What really works is experiencing that secure relationship, which they should have experienced when they were young, but they weren't given that chance. And so you're essentially reparenting that person. So this is all getting back (laughs) to my original point, which is that if you are relationally um, uh, traumatized in that way growing up, and then you have a regular life where you get married and you have kids, well, your kids are going to Indicate because they're kids; they're they're going to indicate that they disapprove of you as a parent. You know, kids will often say, "You know, I don't want to go to bed. You're a you're a bad parent," or, uh, or just even, "I don't approve of your opinion." You know, there's just various different. You parents out there, if you have average kids, you know how many messages that are hurtful that your kids will give you. You know, kids because of their development and because of because you as a parent are a safe person, kids just will hurt your feelings. They'll make you feel stupid, unwanted, uh, you know, all sorts of bad things from from day one, you know, even from now, for most people, if you've been raised well enough, you can withstand those little hurts from your kids. You can be like, well, it's just, you know, Johnny's just three years old, and he's going through something. I can withstand that. But if you were mistreated your entire life and you believe that you're a terrible person deep down and you believe that everyone out there is out to get you because that's the way things have been, and then your three-year-old rejects you or your 17-year-old rejects you or your 25-year-old says something to you that is not nice, then all those traumas come rushing back. And it's trauma. It's, it's similar to war trauma in that we all understand that when you go to war – and you, you know watch your friend get killed right in front of you, that that's going to affect your brain and through PTSD and other traumatic reactions. And when you come back uh, to your home and something triggers that memory, there's a chance that if you do suffer from PTSD, that you're going to have a spike in distress and you're, you're going to quote-unquote freak out. Well, with someone with borderline the trauma is, is critical is, – is being criticized or being abandoned or being treated in some sort of negative way. And so, so for the war traumatized person, they hear a firework go off at the 4th of July and it reminds them of a gunshot and they go from 2 to 9 on the distress scale. And they're sweating and they're freaking out and they're hiding under their desk and they're screaming – or they're getting angry, or they're getting their gun, or something like that. We we can imagine that happening. That happens, by the way. Well, for the person with borderline, when you raise your eyebrow and indicate that you might have a negative thought about them, that's akin to that firework going off. It reminds them, this the person with borderline, of all those tremendously horrible moments that they had when they were two, three, four years old. People with borderline typically have horrific experiences in their early childhood now they don't always but they but it is usually now for the people that didn't experience horrific uh, abuse when they're growing up they uh, they will experience abandonment sort of chronically even though they're not technically being abused which I won't go into but anyway so the person as an adult as a parent the child will have this 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 little disapproving moment toward the parent. And that's like this bomb that just explodes in their psyche that triggers all these traumas of being two years old and being sexually abused, four years old and being locked in a closet for two days, three years old and being beaten to the point of being, you know, seeing stars because they didn't eat all of their food, five year old and being. Literally abandoned by their parents because their parents were, you know, addicted to substances. Six years old and bullied by their older siblings for days on end. You know, just tr- all that trauma just comes rushing back. And it's real, my friend. It is real. It is. People with borderline have been through so much. They are, they are, they are war. Trauma survivors of a different, of a different kind, and so all that trauma just comes rushing back, and th- they go from two to nine on the distress, distress scale, and they, they can't see things clearly. The war traumatized fella who's under the desk with his gun, you go up to him and you say, "Hey, what's going on? He can't see things clearly in that moment. He's, he's like freaking out. you know he, he, he feels unsafe. Uh, I don't know if you just heard that, but <laughs> fireworks are going off. Uh, to him, uh, the, what's happening right now is very unsafe. To you, you're like, what's going you know, – it's just fireworks. You know, Who cares? Just, can't you in your mind just realize that it's just fireworks? Well, that's the same thing as going up to someone with borderline and saying, can't you understand that your kid is just acting like a normal kid? Because to the person with borderline, it's it's all that trauma is coming rushing back, being left alone. It's not like – People with borderline just don't like kids acting independently. <laughs> what they don't like is having their traumas triggered. And a lot of people with borderline are undiagnosed or not being helped well, and they don't really understand this process to begin with. It's very scary. And imagine having this from day 1. They've had this since they can remember. And and they and every time they get re-traumatized at the age of 5, at the, you know, every time these things get triggered in them, they re-traumatize themselves because the 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 PTSD reaction uh, causes more trauma, right? So by the time you have kids, you're 35 years old, 45 years old. Your condition has re-traumatized yourself to the point where uh, you've just had this lifetime of of trauma. And so, to the kid, now that's not the kid's fault, right? The kid, it, they don't know what's happening. The kid's just acting normal, but the parent gets triggered, and then the the parent will. Uh, you know, it can result in a number of different sorts of behavior from the parent. Now, I will also say that many people with a borderline, they kind of categorize their kids differently. Some of you out there listening might might be like this, where you might only get triggered by your romantic partners or by your parents, but you don't get triggered by your kids because you sort of think of your kids as trustworthy just because they're kids. So it's not like Everybody with borderline is triggered by their kids. I want to be clear. I also want to be clear that not everyone with borderline is is outwardly upset with you. So sometimes the, they call these uh, people silent or – I can't remember what they call them. But there's some internet term for people with borderline who aren't externalizers. They internalize, meaning they they beat up themselves internally. And so these sorts of people with borderline – you would never know that they had ill will or that they had uh, that they were upset by things or that they were being triggered whereas some people some people with borderline it's very clear you're like whoa that person has a lot of volatility they get angry a lot they they are easily triggered they have a lot of chaos in their life other people with borderline you wouldn't see anything their life might seem just totally normal and they might actually seem emotionally stable but internally they're they're suffering all the time. So there's just a lot of different types of borderline. And so, so this subreddit, <laughs> just getting back to this subreddit of Raised by Borderlines, anonymous patron, yeah, I agree that it stigmatizes, it's uh, a bit of an echo chamber. There are some concerning things. And I wish that the, you know, what we, so I'm not going to blame the subreddit or the people on it. What I am going to do is I'm going to blame our society or mental health in general in its inability to educate the public about what borderline is and its inability to educate itself about what borderline is. And so when when you have I, – I have been in case consultation meetings as a peer with many other clinicians and it's not uncommon when borderline comes up to, to hear uh, my, my colleagues just – saying some awful things about people with borderline. So if in mental health we haven't destigmatized personality disorders, if in mental health we do not understand personality disorders very well, then how is the public going to understand personalities very well? So that's one. Number two, for us experts that do understand personality disorders, and I know you are out there, and many of you uh, who listen are experts in personality disorders, how many of us are actually trying to spread the word about borderline, trying to expand on people's understanding? How many of us are doing that? Uh, I don't know how many of us are doing that <laughs> because, it, it, at the very least, not enough to counter the stigma that is going around on the internet. So, you know, you'll, when you Google borderline, you find two things. One is the very dry description of borderline, you know, the DSM symptoms, which Basically, almost gives you nothing. You, you notice that I haven't used any of the DSM language. It's fine. The DSM has to define things, but the DSM is not a helpful guide when it comes to personality disorders. And yet, a lot of clinicians and a lot of people, when they think of borderline personality disorder, they think of the DSM, which is ridiculous to me. <laughs> if you, under- you want to understand borderline, you got to go to uh, psychodynamic writers or DBT writers who understand the disorder. The, the DSM, it, what it's trying to do is it's trying to uh, codify a very, very complex internal experience into external behaviors. You notice that the, the DSM describes borderline in its behavior, you know, what you'll see in people. But that is not a good guide for understanding borderline. The way you understand borderline is to understand its abandonment trauma and severe abandonment trauma – early in life, which, you know, when you're sexually abused, it's kind of like an abandonment trauma. But you can also just, you know, experience abandonment trauma, meaning people frequently leaving you as a child. But they don't talk about that, really. I mean, they talk about fears of abandonment, but they don't talk about the structure of the personality, and that's fine. The DSM doesn't want to get into that. But if you read the psychodynamic resources, the interpersonal resources, the experts on borderline... You'll you'll hear abandonment trauma. You'll, you'll hear personality and that sort of thing. So, so we need to raise awareness about it. We need to be more smart about it. And I'm I'm start I'm going to start um, uh, rerunning. And I might have actually reran it already last Sunday. I'm not sure, but I'm going to start rerunning episodes on borderline and other personality disorders because um, we've made a number of episodes in the past on that topic. And I. I just want to—many of you are new listeners, and so I, I want to revisit those episodes. Anyway, so that was just me rambling. <laughs> I didn't get to everything that I wanted to. Uh, I hope that you listen to all the other episodes on Borderline so that you can understand my full understanding of it. So if you have questions about it, I would wait until those episodes come out and you know, over the next, I don't know, couple months— And then feel free to email me after that. All right, let's take a break. And when we get back, let's answer more emails. All right, we're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast, please do so now. That would be great of you. Now, I just realized, (laughs) and looking at the timestamp here, that I talked for 45 minutes on one email, which doesn't give me much time to talk about any other email. So I thought I'd just go into more detail on uh, parents who suffer from borderline. Um, so, uh, what do I say? Well, uh, of the, so as I said before, there are a, a percentage of parents who would qualify for the label of borderline, either on the spectrum or the full blown DSM label, who don't abuse their kids and don't mistreat their kids and are perfectly fine as parents. But of the parents who qualify for the personality spectrum label, uh, who do abuse their kids, this is what it will typically look like, is the kid, let's say it's an adult kid, and the the parent will, the the how do I label this? So border, borderline, I'm going to call this borderline parent of the abusing type. Let's just call it that. <laughs> the abusing type borderline parent, because there's non-abusing type borderline parents as well. So we have the abusing type parent who suffers from borderline. So the abusing type parent who suffers from borderline, when you they will, they will often make you feel like you're a bad kid. They will often make you feel like you don't spend enough time with them or that you're not nice enough to the parent. They will make you feel like you have abandoned them they will make you feel like you never you don't call me enough, you don't show up enough, you aren't nice enough to me. Or, you know, just those kinds of messages. And it'll it'll feel very toxic uh, usually, depending on the degree of the of the disturbance. To you as a kid, it'll feel very it'll feel very toxic. For me, I'll I'll just tell you the way my body reacts to these sorts of people is I get, I get an adrenaline fight-or-flight reaction in my body, and it's in my chest. And as I think about the people that I know who are like this, um, I, I, I begin to – because they have traumatized me, I have a, a minor traumatic reaction right now just, just imagining them. And it sort of provokes that feeling. I get kind of sweaty pits. I get anxiety in sort of my upper chest. Um, I get a little blank in my brain. You know, it's just a fight-or-flight reaction. And so these uh, abusive-type parents who suffer from borderline will produce that feeling in you. Now, the the way I see it as a clinician is this is how they feel almost all the time. And by interacting with them, they will dump their feeling into you. They will make you feel the way that they feel all the time. So people who suffer from borderline are pretty much, unless they're treated – they pretty much are in a constant state of fear and terror and hurt and low self esteem and worthlessness. And and I can't I can't overestimate the terror that people with borderline feel. It's not like you're just anxious. It is it is a deep, deep, deep terror. I don't know if you can relate to this, but when I w- I, I have memories of when I was very young when I was two, three, four years old. And a, a couple of the memories that I have are some of the most deepest fear, just a sort of fear emotion that I have never experienced after growing up. You know, at, at, By the age of five, I, I don't remember ever having this feeling, but I, I remember I was playing with my stuffed animals. I, I must've been two or three years old, maybe four, late at night. And, I mean, it would have been, what, 8.30 or something after I went to bed. And I remember a fear, a terror that I just – it was unbridled and and complicated. And it, it felt just like an abyss. And I think about that sometimes because I think – because my parents raised me well, I don't have that feeling anymore. But I think kids do because when you're really young, you don't have the ability to – regulate your emotions as well, right? And so you just have these unbridled emotions when when you're very young. You have no way of soothing yourself. You have, you have no self-soothing mechanisms at all. And so uh, – but if you're given those by your parents, then you do. Well, I've treated – so many people I've treated with borderline and many people with narcissistic as well, histrionic as well, will – frequently have either episodes or even just an ongoing buzz of just utter terror. And to them, it's just normal life. And this is why you find a lot of people like this will engage in cutting or non-suicidal self-injury because one of the only things that will soothe them is by doing this or uh, compulsive sexual activity. If you're having sex, it's kind of distracting, right? And it can feel good for a time or substance abuse because you can numb your feelings so that's why people, you know, in in the DSM, they'll call, they say, well, they're very impulsive, and it's and that and you'll hear that a lot. You'll say, oh, you know, people with borderline, they're very impulsive, and it's like, no, they're not. You know, it implies somehow that they have like ADHD or something, and that's not what it is. People with borderline, because of their suffering, will exhibit impulsiveness because they're desperate to reduce their suffering. They're in a constant state of suffering, and so yeah, you know, when you see that oasis, you're going to run. And when you meet someone who seems to be a secure base, you're going to you're going to latch onto them. Or when something comes along to soothe your feelings like having sex with someone, you're going to run to that person because it's just a it's a temporary oasis. It looks like it anyway, and so, so anyway, that when when the parents are you know working with their kids, and the kids will, um, I'm just trying to think of a typical situation of of like a like a 13 year old. Let's say the 13 year old doesn't want to have family dinner and instead wants to hang out with her friends, and she's like, ah, I don't want to do dinner tonight with you guys. I want to go hang out with my friends. This is. This will trigger the traumas in the parents, and let's say it's a a father, in that it just goes to that neurological core of being abandoned and criticized and left alone and sexually abused when he was three years old. And he has a fight or flight reaction, and he's in a real bad way. And if he doesn't have any other way of soothing himself or any self-awareness or any uh, DBT or any therapist to help him with this which is typical then he will interpret his bad feeling as being caused by his child even though it wasn't caused by his child it's actually a traumatic reaction in the same way that if you're a war veteran and you're hiding underneath your desk during 4th of July and you you run outside with your gun and you point it at a kid who is lighting off firecrackers the war veteran is mistaking the child with the firecrackers as the cause of their feeling. But that isn't really the cause. It's just the trigger to their traumas. The original trauma is is the thing that caused them to feel that way. Watching someone die in front of them is what really caused the war traumatic feeling in that moment. The, fire, the kid with the fireworks was just a trigger to that trauma. A 13-year-old kid saying they don't want to spend time with their parents is not really the person who is the cause of the father's problems. The cause of the father's problems was being sexually abused from the age of three to the age of seven or being physically abused or something. But the, but the father doesn't know that because why would he? Because it's it's a very complicated thing. And so he – will feel – he'll feel very hurt and very afraid and very dysregulated because of what his daughter did. And so when people do bad things to you, when when people – we use our emotions as a gauge for how badly we're being treated, which under most circumstances is a good gauge, right? Someone cuts us off in the freeway. It feels very scary, and we feel justified in flipping them off. Someone – Calls us a bad name, it hurts our feelings, and we feel like that was wrong, and we get angry, and we slap back with something. So, we use our feelings as a guide. Well, if trauma is being triggered in the moment, relational trauma, and you're not aware that it's the relational trauma that's being triggered, then you're going to be you're, you're going to be seeing. So, as a father, you're just like, oh my god, I my kid doesn't want to have family dinner with me, I. I, I just went from a from a th- three level distress to a, a nine level distress out of ten and my child is the cause of that problem and how dare she do that to me? How dare she treat me so disrespectfully? And I'm gonna yell at her and I'm gonna tell her she's a bad kid because, how could you possibly have done that to me? Why would you have done that to me? It's such a horrible thing to me. Look, if if my feelings are any gauge of what's happening right now, you just did something horrific to me. But of course the kid did something quite minor to the to the parent. But because the parent isn't being treated and because there's stigma around borderline, because there's lack of support and lack of understanding, and maybe the dad did go to a couple therapists and the therapist didn't understand borderline very well. So... Uh, And because of all that, he's left to his own devices, which is like, well, you just made me feel like crap, and so I'm going to let you have it. And so the behavior from the abusive-type parent uh, who suffers from borderline, they feel justified. You might look at their behavior and go, like, that was unjustified. Why Why did you ground your child for a month and call her a bunch of nasty names? How could you possibly feel that that was justified? From the outside, maybe you're the other parent or maybe you're the kid and you're just thinking, My, that dad just completely flipped out over nothing. How could that possibly – and it, what it looks like is that the parent doesn't care. It looks like the dad has no empathy. It looks like the dad is sadistic. He enjoys hurting other people. But that is not the case. People with borderline, people with narcissism have just as much, much empathy as anyone else. But their empathy is impaired because they perceive things differently because they feel things differently. They feel things differently because of their trauma. And when you feel things differently, you, th- you think things differently. And when you think things differently, then you act differently. So, so that's the issue is that they're not sadistic. They don't lack empathy. They don't want to hurt other people. But their traumatic reactivity – causes them to have so much negative feelings. And as most of us, they use that as a guide for how badly they're being treated. And when they're being treated badly, they feel justified in striking back. You know, the as an analogy, imagine that your spouse comes home from work and you have been cleaning all day and you made dinner and you put out candlelight and your spouse comes home and, and she's like um, – uh, you're like, hey, you know, dinner's ready, and I got the candlelights, and it's all, and we agreed this is going to be date night or something. And she's like, oh, date night again? I don't want to do this. Um, you know, why are you always bothering me with this? You know, just go away. Okay, so that that would produce probably a lot of hurt feelings in you. You'd be very hurt by that. You might say in that moment, uh, I can't believe how mean you are. I can't believe how – and maybe the next day, you know, like you, you both sort of go to bed the next day and she – you know, your spouse, she, she doesn't acknowledge it at all. And you say, hey, I just wanted you to apologize for last night. She's like, apologize for what? You're going to fly off the handle. You're going to be like uh, – you know, last night I, you know, made dinner. I cleaned the house. I was trying to make things romantic, romantic and you just completely blew me off. You did a – you were a real jerk last night. I can't believe what you did you might even give her the silent treatment for a couple of days I don't know and the whole time you'll feel justified you'll be like she was um, a complete jerk to me the other night and until she you know shapes up you know I'm gonna let her have it with whatever sort of punishment behaviors you do as a, as a, as a spouse. This isn't necessarily functional but you know you could see yourself doing something like that. Well, an outsider might say, "Well, yeah, you you, know, you deserve to be heard, and if you're and if she's not going to hear you and she's just going to discount you like that, then you deserve to give her the silent treatment for a couple of days." So we all have that kind of gauge of like, if you're if you're being treated horribly, you you're entitled to some kind of slapback. Well, to the person with, the, you know, to the shall we call the um, reactive type, the externalizer. Type of borderline person, they feel very hurt and very abandoned and very harmed very easily because of their traumas in the same way that the war veteran feels very unsafe very easily. So I hope that makes sense. And um, this is probably just review. (laughs) I'm probably just repeating the same things that I'm going to say in all the various different – deep dives that I'm going to repost in terms of the reruns. Anyway, let me know what you think. Uh, if you're on YouTube, comment below. If you are not, then you can email me. You can go to website, com, click the Contact Us page, email me there. If you had a parent who suffered from borderline, which you know, what was your experience? If you have borderline and you are a parent, what's your experience? I'm curious. Um. I obviously wasn't able to get to everything in this episode, so don't consider this a comprehensive. That's why I want you to listen to all the other episodes before you kind of get the full picture of what my message is around this sort of thing. And everyone out there, please take care of yourself. And if you have a personality disorder, get a therapist who specializes in it. And if you're a therapist and you can handle it, get – get specialization in this, meaning that you seek supervision from someone who understands it. It really is only supervision. Everything that I've learned about personality disorders has been, uh, you know, most of what I've learned is through supervision. Because you can learn the basics and you can hear and you can understand, but it's the supervision where it's like, okay, I just met with a borderline client and I'm, and I'm having all these emotional reactions as a therapist. You've got to talk with the supervisor who understands and help, help you sift through what is happening to you. Because when you treat people with borderline or any personality disorder, there's a ton of countertransference. Now, I actually specialize in treating couples where one or both people have borderline. Imagine that one. <laughs> in that situation, you really need a supervisor to help sift through your feelings to help you to interpret what's happening, conceptualize and make a plan. Treating people with personality disorders requires a lot of effort, and it is a physically, mentally, spiritually ta- you know, taxing endeavor, but it's so worth it. To see someone love themselves, to see someone build a life, That that very first person with Borderline that I treated early in my career, I have the luxury of working with her for a long time and also getting check-ins, and learning how well she has been doing uh, post-treatment, it, it just fills my heart with joy. It, 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 if, if I develop Alzheimer's, I hope that's the last thought professionally that I can hold on to was that moment, was that example, because I worked so hard with her, and I got a lot of supervision during that time. But that's why I got into this thing. That's why I got into this business. I I didn't get into this business to do the things that were easy. I got into it because they were hard. All right, all you people out there, please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really, really do. And Take care of other people.